Hi, this is Joe with another episode of the Level Up Your Gym podcast, and today I'm joined by Chris. Now, this is an interesting one. While you're listening to these, they kind of go out every single week, but I'm a big fan of batched activities, so I recorded 40 of these in a row in one week, and that's been all the ones you've been listening to except this one. Chris touched base, and we're like, hey, let's get on a podcast. I thought I was going, he was coming on mine. He thought I was going on his and then I just strong-armed him into doing the Level Up one instead. So we're going to get an episode with Chris for this podcast, and then we can talk more on his later. So Chris, welcome to the show. Joe, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for getting me on. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> because part of it is that I know Chris from uh, Mastermind I'm in out of New Jersey. That's a high-quality one. We, our paths have crossed over the years. And uh, Chris had mentioned following some of the stuff we had done before. So, Chris, I'll let you give a background. How did our paths kind of cross over the years? Then we'll get into some tips for the gym owners that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, uh, you know, I first uh, stumbled upon you, Joe, um, you know, I think through like probably Joe DeFranco. Um, but anyways, probably like saw a couple of YouTube videos way back in the day, uh, you know, had the uh, had the bull strength and conditioning manual. <laughs> Right. And so, uh, you know, I remember you guys kind of in the uh, in the basement of your gym and you, you guys were, you know, lifting a bunch of heavy weight and getting after it with with the athletes and stuff. And so that's how I initially kind of got like drawn into you and then just, yeah, started started following you ever since then. And, um, you know, obviously we're friends on, on social media and stuff. And then, um, yeah, with with uh, with the mastermind as well. It's weird. I got one of those Facebook memories today from 12 years ago. And this is stuff we used to do to learn how to how to lift and how to uh, do things in the industry is that we had an opportunity to go work out at, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, because a friend of mine, Jim Smith, was speaking at a seminar out there, and I was just riding his coattails hard. So he uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you can come with me. He had a two-door, I think, Pontiac Sunfire or something. So four of us load into it. We drive out there. It takes about eight and a half hours. We got out of the car. We got to squat west side barbell with louie and then in the next morning we get up and we got out of the car and literally walked at the parking lot and walked in after an eight and a half hour car ride to squat it at west side for a couple hours and then the next morning we went and trade at pilger who does a uh, pilger fight academy does boxing out there with rob pilger and that afternoon smitty was presenting the seminar and afterwards like hey you guys want to stay and uh squat we're like uh yeah we can't turn down this opportunity so we squatted <laughs> again the next day with the guys from Elite FTS, and we got back in the car, had a stuffed crust meat lover pizza from oh, Pizza Hut on the lap, and drove eight and a half hours home. My legs hurt for six months. Um, but that was the stuff we used to do back in the day to learn from people in the industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, the, yeah, that's uh, man, I, I couldn't imagine you know squatting it at West Side and then Elite FTS and having to go sit in the car for eight hours. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that was a wild weekend. But that's the kind of stuff where we picked up a lot of information on the way. And I know you've been picking up a lot of information as I've watched your business go grow, Chris. So tell us a little bit about Ape. Um, you call it Ape Strength and Conditioning, right? Or Ape, uh, I know Ape Fitness Team is the website. Yeah, Ape Fitness and Performance now. Yeah, so we kind of rebranded um, about a year and a half ago. Um, used to be Ape Strength, but yeah, Ape Fitness and Performance now. So tell us about how you got started and where you're at today. Yeah, so I uh, so I got started probably like a lot of uh, a lot of gym owners. Um, you know, played sports growing up, um, basketball, football, baseball. Um, you know, if uh, if you're anyone familiar with how things are in Texas, sports are 
you know, pretty much everything. It's a big deal. So I went to one of the top high schools, um, probably in the, in the country, um, South Lake Carroll played football there. Um, we won two, uh, two state championships, uh, and then went on to play a year and a half in college at the university of North Texas. So sports and just like training in general has always been like a huge part of my life. And, um, so that's kind of how I initially got into, into training and, and realized like, all right, you know, I want to give back to other people and help them, you know, be successful on and off the field as well. Um, and so, yeah, so then, uh, kind of, kind of started training people and, um, it slowly has evolved over the years and now we're, uh, you know, in a 6,000 square foot building and we train primarily, uh, you know, athletes and then also as adults as well. So you have a lot of beautiful books on your shelf i don't see bull strength on there but i don't think there was a print edition <laughs> ever from that created so you have a lot of knowledge and like i said we've been in the different mastermind circles of business growth so from your your growth and finding your first members to where you are today in the six thousand square feet what's one tip that we can pass on to business people that you picked up chris yeah i would say um you know i think number one um is kind of kind of understanding that, you know, it's, uh, you're, you're on your own unique journey, right? Like you, you don't know everything and you don't have to know everything starting out. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, we see we're, we're comparing ourselves to other people who have been doing things a lot longer, right? You know, um, you've been doing this a little longer than me, Joe. So, you know, we, we kind of look to other people and see what they've built, you know, over a long period of time. And we're like, man, I want that. I want that. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's good. I mean, it's definitely good to have those aspirations, but at the same time, we need to be, you know, kind of realistic about where we are in our own journey and understanding that, you know, this is part of our own unique process and we're going to figure things out kind of as we go, I think. So it's a, similar to a lot of conversations we have with members at a lot of the facilities where they see someone who's gotten great results from working out and they just like, Hey, I wish I was that person. And we have to talk them down from the ledge and say, it's, it's you today versus you yesterday comparison. Are you fitter than you were yesterday? Yes or no? And that's the only comparison. Or is your business stronger than it was yesterday? Was it better than it was last week? Was it better than it was in 2020, 2019? If you can answer yes to that, you're moving in the right direction versus comparing yourself to someone who's been doing it for 12, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what do they say? Uh, you know, comparison is the, is the thief of joy, right? So, you know, if we're comparing ourselves to someone else, uh, a lot of times we're going to probably feel, you know, bad about where we're at. And, and that's, you know, I think that's partly good because that's going to, you know, continue to fuel us and keep us motivated to keep pushing. But at the same time, we under, we need to like understand, you know, this is our own journey. And, uh, you know, it's just about kind of getting 1% better e each and every day. So let's get one more tip from the marketing side, Chris. Where did you get your members from? Uh, so we've gotten majority of our members primarily from from word of mouth. Um, so yeah, we've just kind of we've we've built up a, a solid reputation, and and that's uh, I'd probably say seventy five to eighty percent of our members are, uh, are are coming from word of mouth referrals and stuff like that. So I always preach on this that you can you can do word of mouth, but you have to have a strategy behind it. Or it's not scalable. And you hint, hinted at having referrals and your referral strategy. When do you ask for them, or you just open your doors and hope and pray for the best? And all those books are just collecting dust on your shelves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, I mean, I, I I like to you know when someone first signs up, right? Um, 
you know, that's, that's a great time to ask for a referral. Right. So uh, we do that. And then we'll have, um, you know, like some give the gift of fitness, some other things just kind of throughout the year uh, we're sending, you know, letters in the mail to their house and, you know, including like a two week for a uh, two week trial gift card, um, something like that, that they can give to friends, you know, to kind of further incentivize them, you know, to get people in the door. Perfect. So I wanted to make sure I, we had differentiation between, hey, just do good and hope people show up versus actively promoting that. So I think you're doing a good job with that. I want to make sure the listeners understand. I like the mail them something in the in uh, send them something in the mail. When do you send it? Uh, well, so uh, we normally do it around Christmas time. Um, and then we'll just kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in like a couple other times throughout the year. Um, but generally, I, I mean, the, the one that we've had the most success with is, uh, is around Christmas. So we'll call it give the gift of fitness. And, um, you know, I normally, uh, you know, put in like a 30 day, uh, free jumpstart kind of thing. That way there's no, you know, I mean, the, the offer is too good to pass up. Right. Um, things that I've learned from, from you. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's been the biggest one for us is, you know, typically around like a holiday season. Awesome. So how many staff people do you have? Uh, so I have two, two other coaches. How do you keep the system the same? Cause we have a lot of people that are listening to this podcast who are at that level where they're moving from doing it all themselves to having a coach. And then they'll go through the the mental struggle that we all go through. Uh, what if our members uh, don't like them? Or what if I have to jump back in? Or what if this person doesn't do as good of a job as I think that I do? And uh, what I usually see is they'll hire someone. They'll wait for that person to screw up and then swoop in and be like, I told you so. They need me. And yeah. kind of like mother, <laughs> mother had their gym so hard. It's so hard to go from zero to one trainer. And then after that, you're like, wow, I wish I had taken this mindset earlier, but how did you get yourself up to two and how do you get over those hurdles? Yeah. Um, so one of the kids actually started out, um, he was, uh, he went to a local, local college and he, he had just graduated, popped in, uh, looking for a job. Um, he played college baseball. So yeah, he, he did a six week internship with us and then we hired him after that. Um, our other coach is actually, she'll be leaving here in about a month. So she's actually going to, uh, to the air force to fly, fly, uh, fighter jets. Um, and she's actually just been a, a client with us for probably about, uh, eight to 10 years now. So, um, you know, she's already kind of familiar with the system, but you know, I, I think for us is just, you know, it's, it's having an exercise database, I think, um, and cat and being on the same page as far as like how you categorize exercises, you know, what you call things, uh, because, you know, getting, getting other coaches, um, and, and you just let them kind of go with it. Right. I mean, you might call it, um, you know, a, a dumbbell, you know, let, let's take for like an example, like a half kneeling, uh, dumbbell overhead press. Right. You know, they're, if you get three people, they might call it three different things. Right. So you got to kind of get the terminology down. And I think creating, um, you know, like a coaching system, you know, whether that's, you know, keeping a simple five or six page little Google doc where you kind of outline like how you categorize and, and, and the terminology that you guys use on the floor and with your exercises. I think that'll kind of go a, a long way in, in helping with that. It makes a lot of sense. You have to have a common language. And that's something we integrate into our interview process. We have them write down exercise programs for sample scenarios to see if they, well, I've been shocked before. The people with four-year degree, I got one that was 
a standing bench press and then a barbell pull up. Chris, what do you think a standing oh, wow. bench press is? A standing bench press. Uh, That's what I said. <laughs> like, know, it's kind I, of I an have, oxymoron, but yeah, I want to go like just an overhead press. But I, you're you know, correct. That's, <laughs> That's what he, I mean. After four years of exercise science. Uh, that's what he was calling a military press. And wow. what about a shoulder pull-up? A shoulder pull-up. Um, I, I got no idea on that one. It's a shrug. I was like, can you demonstrate it? Because I was baffled. I'm like, maybe I'm the dumb one here. And it's like, you know, you pull up your shoulder. <laughs> dumb. And like, I get it. And I'm not giving anyone a hard time who's just getting into the field. But yeah. this is a four-year degree from a local university, and we have to make sure we're speaking the set common language. And if they can't <laughs> name the basic exercise, I don't think we'd get much further down the path. So you have to have a good interview process to kind of weir- weed out the quality of people that you're looking for, the quality of trainer, I should say, not a person. Um, so that's a good one, Chris. And what are you going to do to refill it when she leaves? Uh, so I'm about to put out a uh, put out a job ad here uh, at the beginning of March. Um, so yeah, she's been primarily helping us out in the morning. So she's six thirty to nine, part time job. So yeah, I'll I'll put out you know a couple posts on in, uh, or a post on Indeed, and then probably uh, probably like a Facebook post. And um, and yeah, I, I feel like I'm still fairly new, you know, with the hiring process, Joe. So you know, I'm I'm still you know every interview, I'm I'm always learning and you know, looking back and saying, okay, what could I have done better? And, uh, and then whatever I come up with, I'm going to apply that to the, to the next interview that I do. We kind of cruise by something important that you do, which is the six week internship. We do a 90 day on the job training. I like that clarity and expectation giving to the candidate that once you complete this on the job training or internship, uh, then you can have the opportunity to become a full-time hire. So there's the, if, if you complete it and we outline exactly what it is, we test our people, written test every week for 90 days. Trainer's handbook, floor stuff, body language protocol that we have in our handbook, member interactions, how to do our billing system. Like they get tested on all of that before they get hired after 90 days. And it okay. helps create space because I was teaching uh, a different person on a consult call yesterday this because he's always worried like, hey, I hire someone, I put them on the floor, they don't do a good job. Yes, no kidding. They need some time to learn your exact protocol and procedures. And they don't really get taught that before unless they have a lot of experience. And I prefer, honestly, people without a lot of experience because I want them to teach our systems. Now, I want them to know the exercises, but we'll do our 90-day on-the-job training. We'll say, here's your wage. Once you graduate, it'll get raised to X. So we have it a little bit lower up front. So they get the carrot to complete it. They get a checklist. Uh, of things to complete during the 90 days, how to onboard a client. They have to be able to put them into the system, run a session, ch- train an athlete, um, do a check-in with the with our um, operations person, go over our brand sheet with the marketing person. So they have to go and do these tasks like a roadmap. And once they complete it all, they graduate from that program and then they can become trainers. That works out great from our side that we don't have the pressure of throwing them on the floor right away because they're getting compensated a little less. And it, the, mm-hmm. the expectation is, hey, you're going to be here to learn for a while. And uh, expectations, if you graduate, you get paid X. So we're very clear on that up front. We make sure all of the essential tasks are covered before they step on the floor. It makes a lot of sense for them because they're not getting thrown into the deep end. And it means a lot to your members to see them with you in the room for two or three months, become comfortable, and you slowly phase out versus here's the new trainer. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So I like the idea that you have the six week. I'm not saying I'm married to the 90 days. That's just how long our process takes because we want to hire someone for the long term. We'll take a little bit more time up front. But if it was a part timer, then maybe it'd be shorter as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like they're, you know, I mean, I feel like 90 days is a while. Do you feel like they're eager to just get into things or do they kind of understand, you know, the, I mean, obviously you guys are probably upfront with the process and, and everything like that, but are they like eager to, all right, I'm ready to go by that time. Yeah. So they are slowly getting integrated into being ready to go. The first day we usually have them attend a busy session, observe and meet and greet is their only jobs. And then they leave it like, wow, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's almost overwhelming to the stuff that a trainer can do in our system where they're training 20 people on personal programs without missing a beat and without a whiteboard. And it looks overwhelming. So then they're like, all right, I need this on the job training. They get the buy-in and they understand the process and the procedures. But throughout those weeks, they get to train people. It's, you know, the, the head coach on the floor will write a program and say, here, guide this one member through this program just so you can feel comfortable so the new hire is not coming up with everything, uh, him or herself. And then it's like, all right, you write a bunch of programs, then we'll find someone that fits for it, even though we don't like to fit the member to the program. We will at the beginning a little bit. We'll, we'll mm -hmm. touch it up. So then they're writing a bunch of programs. They have a notebook full of programs, and then we'll apply them to the members. Then we'll say, all right, um, you know, we'll step back. You, you run the session. You train the programs, and we'll just work with some new people on warm-ups, and then we slowly phase off the floor. So it's all happening during the 90 days. They get to train people based on those uh, weekly accomplishments. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. But, but it does, it helps a lot. It helps so much. It used to be such a nightmare thinking, oh, I've got to hire someone again. Because people are to come and go. The more you grow and as your company grows, Chris, and I'm sure it will, you have to hire a lot. Like once or twice a year, you can anticipate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm definitely going to take a couple of those things and, uh, and implement it. So here's my last question for you. I want you to turn around and look at all those beautiful books you have. Pick, <laughs> pick one off the shelf. Tell us how you've used it in your gym so we can leave it as a recommendation. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh... Yeah, and by the way, um, I haven't read all these, so... Um, yeah, they're just decoration. You know, I but, learned. But, learned. It, it's it's partly decoration, but partly, you know. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with, um, you know, Keith Ferrazzi, Never Eat Alone. Um, you know, and, and what I've what I've taken from this book, um, you know, if, if, if you have a gym, um, you know, if you're interacting with people on a daily basis, um, you know, we're in the R and R industry, right? Results or, or relationships and results, right? And I think people buy people, and building a solid relationship with someone up front um, will kind of take care of a lot of things, um, you know, on the back end. I think you'll you'll find that you get uh, get more buying into the programs, um, and it's and it's kind of what I feel uh, differentiates us from other, from other places, um, you know, is because I want to build a community. I want this place to feel, you know, or my gym to feel like, um, you know, a, a family atmosphere, right? I mean, you know, they're coming here for one hour out of the day. I want them to have the best experiences possible. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of what I took from, from that book is just, you know, I really want to focus on building a relationship with someone and not just being, 
um, you know, not just necessarily being a trainer. Like I want to know about their family. I want to know what they do and, and really like kind of dive into more of a personal side of it versus just the X's and O's, if that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. Relationships are so critical. And, uh, this was also in what uh how to win friends and influence people maybe now yeah, where you, you know you take successful people out to eat and you just listen to them and i took that to heart early on it's helped us a ton in our business from uh there was one kid that attended the gym his dad was the cfo of the bank in town and he's like yeah i'll go out to dinner with you nice guy i was nobody still am a nobody but <laughs> i was especially nobody then but he took his time we went out to dinner and he never eat alone just building relationships and then a year down the road he um was able instrumental in helping us get a uh, commercial loan. We're doing another build out on our third facility by that point and just smoothing through the process. And he's like, yeah, no one ever asked me out to eat. This guy's like a CFO of a bank. He's like, people just assume we'll say no. I'm like, well, you know, yeah. I'm glad it, glad it worked out. And he's still, you know, 10 years later, we still stay in touch. He's retired now and he was a professor of business and all this great accomplishments. And there's just such generous people out there that if you build a relationship with them, you can, you can learn a ton. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, what's your Instagram so people can check out more about you? Uh, yeah, my personal Instagram is, uh, is C Brainerd 87. Um, so yeah, that's B R A I N, uh, A R D 87. And then, uh, my, my gym's Instagram is ape A P E fitness team. So yeah, check us. Uh, yeah, you can check us out on there. All right. Very cool. Now sit tight, Chris. I'm going to do the sign off and stop recording. So I want to thank the listeners of the Level Up Your Gym podcast and to remind them that we have a lot of free resources for gym owners right at levelupyourgym.com.